I'm going to start with some questions this morning. Just to, what do you fear? Do you fear heights? The dark? Clowns? Your boss? How about what's in the news or the condition of society? Being alone? Or death? So everyone has a fear of something. It's something that grips us. It doesn't let go. It's very hard to overcome. Scripture says it should be God. And the fear of God within a large portion of our churches has been downgraded. More emphasis has been put on love and grace, prosperity and health, or self-help and self-esteem. Ultimately, the fear of God has been overtaken by the fear of man. Man rules the day. You can see peer pressure has a lot of power. It's been a, a powerful tool used by the enemy, and it's shown in society today. We're not allowed to speak what we, what's true. We're not allowed to speak our opinion. We have to agree on what majority says. God is to be feared, not man. The Bible says, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. But rather, fear him who is able to cast body and soul into hell. The sovereign, supreme creator, God Almighty, is the object of fear. He has put people in reverent position over others, as with husband and wife, parents and children, masters and servants, but men are not to be feared, as God is to be feared. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. That's our scripture for this morning. The text. Proverbs chapter 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction. To perceive the words of understanding. To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. To give prudence to the simple. To young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the book of Proverbs is based around these verses, fearing God. Fearing the Lord. We see in verses 1 through 6, they're building up to verse 7. You could say they're like steps leading to the door. They are the introduction. Verses 2 and 3 show that Proverbs contain wisdom, instruction, 
sayings for understanding, sayings for wise behavior. Verses 4 and 5 tell us that they give prudence, discretion, knowledge, and understanding. And verse 6 tells how the message messages come in the form of wise sayings. And this all leads to the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Or until you fear God, you don't know anything. Nothing. Nothing about God. Nothing about the kingdom. Christ. Nothing. We might be wise worldly, but we're not wise when it comes to God or the kingdom of God. So do you fear God this morning? Is your heart beating for him? Let's look. So the first step in true knowledge is to be a God-fearing person. What is a God-fearing person? So the, the Christian will never outgrow fearing God. The more you learn about him, the greater your fear of him. And as you grow in grace, you will take him more seriously. I think we can all testify to that. The more that you see him work in your lives, the more serious he will be taken, especially after you've truly repented. It is is more serious. You've seen what he's truly done for you. But what does this fear look like? Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord. This is the most exciting thing that can happen to any person. When you obtain the fear of the Lord, To fear the Lord, there is nothing greater that can happen to you in your spiritual life. John Murray says the fear of the Lord is the soul of godliness, or it's the fertile ground for our spiritual lives to grow. If anyone is in Christ, you are a new creation. That fear will drive you to grow. You'll be a you'll produce more and more fruit. You're not hanging on to the old things. You're new. Fear in the Hebrew is yira, which is full of reverence toward God. Do not dread, have dread toward God, nor polite reverence or good manners. This is a, a great reverence, full heart reverence. It's not just speaking kindly of him. It's got to be coming from your heart. The fear of God means you stand in awe of him and you're trembling inside and you take him seriously. And he's taken more seriously than anyone in your life. He sees everything. He knows everything. He knows our hearts. So there's a state of wonder towards God. And you're amazed by him. Fearing God is a worshiping heart. God is seen as very big and you're very small. And the fear of God is recognizing him for who he is. You put him in his rightful place. And where is that? Recognizing he has his right over your life. That is where he's to be. He has full ownership over us. And you're enamored by the greatness and the glory of the majestic God. This causes you to honor and to trust and obey and worship him more and more deeply, more and more from your heart. 
And you have, and you have, having the fear of God brings out a sobriety and a seriousness of mind and relationship to God and how we view this world. And because of the fear, we have true joy. He owns us. If we're his children, he holds no good thing from us. We should take him seriously. I mean, he's king. He's the maker. He's the creator. So fearing God, we're standing in awe. We're kneeling in adoration. We're bowing in humility. You're overwhelmed with his unending perfections. That's why we study his attributes here. You will make, you will then have humility, submission, meekness, contrition, and self-control. We won't think too highly of ourselves anymore. So, do you fear God so much that you you don't want to take Him for granted, and you fear Him? You fear displeasing Him. God is so far beyond us so far out of our reach, it'd be like standing at the base of the Rocky Mountains. You look, look up and you think to yourself, or maybe out loud if you're with someone, this I, I can't even imagine how big, how vast that is, even if you're standing at the, you can't grasp it. This is way, way up. And that's what God is. He is high, way high. He's far beyond us. So when you come to know God, there is something that grips you. And you'll, you know you've met up with someone who is way beyond you. Beyond the globe and beyond the universe. He's that high. Is there, if there is no fear in you, do you really know him? The opposite of fearing God in your spiritual life would be haughty towards him. Treating him as trivial, commonplace, equal to you or even beneath you. You may be flippant about spiritual things. But fearing God will cause a trembling in you. And it is not that you have a hold of him, but he has a hold of you. And he holds your life in his hand. And he has decreed your life, your birth, the events of your life, the number of your days, and your death. Proverbs 16, verse 9, says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Proverbs nineteen twenty one, There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. And then you have James four thirteen through 15. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. It's easy to let our hearts really get in our, get in our way, our emotions, our desires, and our wants. 
and say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and how quickly we're put in our place when it doesn't go the way we want it to go. When it's, we've, we finally understand this is, this is God's plan. This is what we have to submit to. So we have been fearfully and wonderfully made, and there should be trembling. So work out your salvation with fear and trembling, it says in Philippians. So we have to be more serious about God and his word, not flippant or callous. This is the God of all creation who spoke into existence everything. And he is serious, and he's not playing games. And this Christian life is not just another club to be in. This is eternity we're talking about. And the Lord demands all glory in it. Isaiah 6 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Fear, these seraphim, they feared him. They covered their eyes, their feet, and there was trembling in his presence. It's the most life-changing experience. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, starting verse 12. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had his right hand, in his right hand, seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet, dead. John feared what he saw. Do you see God this way? Do you see Jesus this way? Job 1.1 says there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. God shows favor to those who fear him. Job was set apart because 
He feared God. Christ feared God. We should be Christ-like. Isaiah 11:2. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. Jesus Christ not only feared God, but he delighted in him. I actually asked uh, my son this week, why did Jesus die? He died because he was obeying God. He feared him, and he delighted in him. That's why he died. Jesus, God didn't have to save any of us, even if Jesus did die. He died because he was being obedient to God. That was his command. That was his purpose. So to fear God is to revere and to honor and to worship him, to be humble before him, to have fear and trembling before him. Is this you? Are you a God-fearing person? Why fear God? What's the point? Let's look back at Proverbs 1-7 again. The necessity of fearing God is knowledge. This is knowledge of spiritual truths. Not math. It's not science. It's not agriculture. The world knows that stuff. This is about spiritual truth. This knowledge of God and how to apply God's truth in your life. So without the fear of God, you have no real knowledge. Without fear of God, you can't even know him. And it is the beginning or the starting point to a new life. So when you fear the Lord, you take your first step into always increasing the knowledge of God and the increasing reverence for him and understanding him. You know that you don't get a day off from this. This is who you are. There are not certain times to fear God and other times to relax. You don't put on your Christian hat for church and take it off for work. Or when you go on vacation to the beach. It's always there. That's who we are. It should be changing us. Proverbs 23.17 says, Do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day. We should be living in the fear of God every moment of every day. John Wesley was asked what he would do if he knew the Lord was coming back that day. He said, I'd get up, I'd eat breakfast. I would go out and preach on the streets as I do. I would come back for lunch, have my tea, take a rest, go back out and evangelize the people. He didn't change anything. That's what he would do even if God was coming back that day. He feared God. He was obedient because of this fear. And he didn't change what he did. And at the end of your life, you have what uh, in Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen. Let us hear the conclusion of all of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. 
Fear God. I ask again, do you fear God? Are you contrite in spirit before God? Are you humble before him? Acts 9.31 Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. The early church was continuing on in fear of God and continued to grow the church because of that fear. So they took God more and more seriously, giving more reverence and honor and worship. That's what their lives were about. I think we can look at the early church and what was said. They gathered together for prayer and fellowship. There is no salvation without fear. Have you ever seen someone get saved? That's quite a sight. God's dealing with someone. You see it. This is serious happenings. There is relief from the burden of sin that comes with that. But you see the greatness of an amazing God who killed his own son for you. Luke twenty three thirty nine. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God? And we indeed justly, for we, we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Nobody enters heaven without fearing the Lord. Next, there is no growth in grace without the fear of God. The amount of our Christ-likeness will show how much we fear God. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. There should be a pursuit of holiness in our lives. We should be perfecting it in the fear of God. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. Let's turn there. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. It says, And if you call on the Father who, without partiality, Judges, according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. So we should be fearing the Lord if we are alive. First Peter 2, 7, verse 17. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. That's a progression. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. That's us. Fear God. Honor the king. This is the center of Christian life, to fear God. And you cannot worship without fear. A worship service is a serious time. When we come here this morning, on Sunday mornings, we should be serious. Our hearts should be focused on him 
That's all it's about. That's all this, 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 this should be about when we come in here is edifying each other, pointing to Him. Psalm 99.1 says, The Lord reigns, let the peoples tremble. He dwells between the cherubim. Let the earth be moved. He's called us to come here this morning and to worship Him. Exodus 15.11 Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Who is like him? All the more reason he should be feared. There is none like him. The Jews feared saying God's name incorrectly, so they gave him another another name. That is how much God was feared in the Old Testament. You can't serve well without the fear of God. Colossians 3.22, Bondservants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. The priests, when they would go into the Holy of Holies, if they didn't approach God correctly, he'd kill them. That's why they had the bells on the bottom of their, their robes and a rope tied to their ankle. How about evangelizing? Sure, you can tell someone about Christ, but do you do it with God in mind? Do you fear God enough that you would tell somebody that they're going to go to hell if they don't repent? That they've violated his law? You know, we'll stand in judgment of that. That will be held, we'll have to give an account for that if we don't. If it isn't done out of our heart for consideration of that person's soul, why did we do that even? It was done in vain. First Peter 3.15 But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, there are people who witness because it gives them a spiritual buzz. It doesn't because it is not done because of reverence. It should be done in fear. As a side note, when it comes to serving or worshiping God, there is a language that is used that is very dangerous. And I caution you not to use this language, and and that is God told me. Or God said to me. Or in personal matter, when I when you say God said to make this choice. I understand it's not the Old Testament times, but God gave a command in Deuteronomy 13 and 18. And that if someone spoke on his behalf and it was not said by him, they were to be stoned. So this is a great warning to be careful of the feelings we get because we are to test the spirits. And our hearts are wicked and deceitful, and we should use great caution. So there's great necessity in fearing God. So do you fear God? I ask again. If you don't want to fear God, if you think, I'm not going to be that kind of Christian, the Bible has words for you. The Bible says there are only two types of people in this world. Proverbs 1.7 points out, You're either a God-fearer or a fool. Those who want to live their own lives without the fear of God 
are fools. That might be a harsh word, but that's coming from right from the Bible. Fool. A fool hears what is said and rejects it. Proverbs says fools despise wisdom and instruction. It is not that people are dumb. They just reject, reject the truth. So people hear the truth, they just don't want to follow it. An usher once handed the famous evangelist D.L. Moody a note. As he entered the auditorium, the evangelist thought that it was an announcement, so he prepared to read it. Opening the folded piece of paper, he found scrawled in large print only one word, fool. Equal to the occasion, Moody said, I have just been handed a memo which contains the single word fool. This is the most unusual. I've often heard of those who have written letters and forgotten to sign their names, but this is the first time I've ever heard of anyone who signed his name and then forgot to write the letter. Psalm 14.1 says, The fool has said in his heart there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. So unbelievers are fools according to the Bible. And they have no fear of God. So if the fear of God was in the church like it should be, then everything in this country would be different. Our motives in life would be different. How to do business, to raise a family, to find happiness, to overcome problems rather than looking to programs and strategies. To guide us, we would look to God. Fear of God is the remedy to all. I was actually in a discussion Friday evening about this very thing. The person wanted to take it to politics. And I finally said, our country has lost its moral compass. The church isn't preaching God, godly fear. It isn't preaching um, what God's expectations are. And that's destroying families. It's destroying, well, the world is going in that direction. So, as, so how do we get this fear? How do we get the fear of God? Proverbs 2, verse 1 says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. This shows what produces the fear of the Lord. This is a progression. This is what causes us to fear God, his word. It is the ministry of his word. When we sit under sound biblical preaching, we know what it is to fear God. I don't know if you've ever seen, we watched uh, the animated version of Pilgrim's Progress. But there's also a, 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 a real-life version of it as well. But Christian has this burden on his back. and But he has the Bible as well. And it's bringing him more and more knowledge, more and more fear of what's going on in his heart. He sees it as he's reading. And that's where it comes from. If people aren't given the word of God 
as it truly is, they won't truly fear him. Proverbs 3, 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Fearing God is the, the cause. Turning away from evil is the result. And this is how you resist temptation. This is how Joseph resisted Potiphar's wife. This is how you stay away from evil. Proverbs 8, 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance in the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. God's wisdom is calling out, telling us what to do. Hate evil. What's this? Evil is in our hearts. Pride and arrogance leads us on the evil way. Proverbs 9.10 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Fear increases knowledge. Or increases with knowledge, excuse me. Knowledge increases with fear. It's back and forth. The more we fear, the more we know. The more we know, the more we fear. You will want knowledge when you fear God. You'll want it. You crave it. And what that knowledge, with that knowledge, your fear will increase. When you fear, when your fears increase, you will want more knowledge. Building blocks. Building blocks of our faith. You are constantly building and growing. And fearing God is why we study his attributes. And there is a higher affection for who he is. His holiness, his majesty, his justice, and his intolerance for sin. Proverbs fourteen two. He walks in his upright he who walks in his uprightness fears the Lord. But he who is perverse in his ways despises him. Everything I do, everything I am a part of, I know that God is there. Knowing this causes me to walk in uprightness. For Proverbs 14.26 In the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence and his children as a place of refuge. There is no fear of man, circumstances, consequences. You are secure, confident, not cowering from what might come. Fearing God is being fearless. I understand we're human, and it's an encouragement. It's to edify, it's to build us up to be fearless, to fear him who has vengeance. Proverbs fourteen twenty seven: The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. Jesus said, I have come to you, come that you may have life and have it abundantly. The God-fearing person will want to live life. The reverence will show in their zeal for life and him. So, Proverbs fifteen sixteen says, Better is a little with fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. Which is better? The fear of the Lord or riches? It says here, the fear of the Lord. No matter how much money there is, There's always problems. The fear of the Lord flows into all areas of life. 
relationships, work, stewardships, decision-making, health. Do you fear God? Have you humbled yourself before the mighty God of this universe? And if you have, praise God. I encourage you to keep learning so you are continually captivated by his vastness. The Bible is all we need to know. Who God is, that's all, that's all we need. is the Bible, to know him. Yet it just scratches the surface of how amazing and remarkable he is. So if you do not fear God, consider what will happen to you. Violated his perfect law. Lying. Stealing. Using his name in vain. Lusting. Denying him and rebelling, rebelling against him. Think about it. What will he do to you? He killed his own son. For those who would trust him. Scripture says it's eternal torment in hell. Please consider eternity. Fear of God is good. He's good. Humble yourself today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, you are good. You've given us so many promises. and um, Lord, your words build us up. I just pray, Lord, that we are built up this morning, Lord, that our fear, our reverence for you is greater and greater every day. Lord, as we see you in our lives, as we think about how great you are and what you've done to bring salvation to us, I thank you. We thank you. And I thank you, God, that we can be here to sit and listen together, to learn together, and to grow together as a body, that we can function together and do what you've called us to do, and that's to glorify you and enjoy you forever. We praise you, God. We thank you. I just ask for your blessing on this, this body this, this, uh, this next week, God, that we can go out and pro- proclaim your goodness, but also the fear that should be in us of how great and wonderful and marvelous you are. There is hope. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.